0: Please look with me at today's scripture reading from the book of Matthew. You will find it located in your bulletin. I invite you to listen for God's word to speak to you through these words. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, "'It is a ghost.' And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, "'Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid.' Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: There was a Little League game several years ago in which one of the teams had runners on most of the bases. They had a runner on third. The batter got a base hit, but it was kind of close to third base. The runner was there, ready to listen, and the coach began saying, stay on base, stay on base. But in the crowds, in the stands, the parents were screaming, run home, go, go, go. And amidst the noise, the runner forgot to listen to the coach and started running home. And then he started thinking as he was running, wait a minute, he said, stay on base. So the runner turned around and went back. And all of a sudden, he began to be chased down by the third baseman and the catcher because they had gotten to him. And eventually, he was tagged out. After the game, the coach said to this runner that was on third, listen, there's going to be a lot of noise in every game, but there's only one voice that you need to listen to. And what voice is that? And the child said, your voice, coach. Sometimes there's a lot of noise in the world. There's a lot of of things going on, and a lot of this noise creates a lot of anxiety among people, and it creates anxiety in front of us as well, part of our hearts. And we can get stirred up pretty quickly, can't we? And that noise isn't always there to do the right thing or to cause the right thing in our lives. And so this noise can be distracting, and it can sort of cloud out all of the things we want to hear, whether it's the positive things that are coming from our friends or family, or if it's the Word of God, God's Word that wants to help us understand where we need to go and what we need to do. So I want to say to us today that finding ways to listen to God and focus our faith in a noisy world is part of what we as disciples have got to do. We've got to learn how to, even if we can't get rid of the noise, how to listen intently in the midst of it so that we don't forget to listen to the voice of Jesus. And if we can do that, I think we're all going to find that our lives are more fulfilling and that we feel more centered and grounded in our faith instead of just being blown around in the wind. So first, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the importance of stillness and silence. And then I want to talk a little bit more about what it means for us to be able to listen to the right voice. About seven years ago, there was a theologian who wrote an article in Relevant Magazine. His, Ken, his name was Ken Weitzma. Ken Weitzma. And he was talking about the story of Elijah from the Old Testament, specifically from the book of 1 Kings in the 19th chapter. You see, Elijah was God's prophet and he was standing up for God in the midst of a time when a lot of people were worshiping other people, not God. And so he stood up for God and he kind of was bold and he did some really rash things, but he did it for God. But it got him into trouble, specifically with King Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel was really upset about it and got word to the prophet Elijah saying, in a sense, you're a marked man. You won't be alive much longer. Elijah gets this word from the people who have power at the time. And of course, he responds by being afraid. He gets anxious about his own life. And so he runs for his life. He runs day and night. He doesn't take time to stop until he is worn out. He is so worn out, he begins pleading to God to take him, to basically just let him die. He's so desperate for anything, any help from God. And the author, Ken Weitzma, says that God doesn't respond in the way that you would think. I mean, if you were at the end of your rope and you were desperate, you want God to answer with some sort of fix, some sort of help. And do you know what God says through an angel to Elijah? You need to slow down, you need to eat something, and you need to take a nap. That's what God says to Elijah. You need to slow down. You need to eat something. You need to take a nap because you're not done. You've got more road ahead of you. So Elijah does that. He stops. He sleeps. He eats. He sleeps some more, eats a little bit more. And God leads him next to Mount Horeb, one of his holy places. And you may remember this part of the story. Elijah is there at Mount Horeb. And he knows that God is going to come to meet him. It says he's going to—God's going to pass by Elijah. So he's out there on the side of, of Mount Horeb, and there is this great and mighty rushing wind. You know, we, we hear stories about when there are tornadoes that you hear the wind howling, almost like a train outside. So imagine that sound right there at Mount Horeb, this rushing wind. And First and Kings tells us, but God was not in the wind. God was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake. It was shaking the mountain. You can imagine how, how afraid Elijah might have been. But then 1 Kings tells us, but God was not in the earthquake either. Then was this big fire. It probably lit up the sky. And probably the heat was just hot against Elijah's face. And First Kings tells us that God was not in the fire either. Then, 1 Kings says this, that then, after the fire, there was the sound of sheer silence. Complete silence. You could drop a pen and hear it. And then, and only then, does God show up. God passes by, and there's this still, small voice that speaks out, and Elijah hears it. So Elijah is afraid for his life. He is so, so afraid that he begins to pray for God to fix it by taking his life, which is not what God wants. And so it is only when Elijah can stop and rest and calm his heart and to sort of let go of the noise that God can speak to him and give him exactly what he needs to hear. Isn't that interesting, folks, that sometimes we want God to speak to us, we want some kind of answer, we want some kind of direction, and we keep waiting for it, and we ask God to give it soon because we're so anxious, we need that answer, we cannot wait any longer. And we keep asking God to speak up through the noise, right? But what we really have to do, what we have to learn how to do, is to still ourselves, to calm ourselves, to be grounded and centered so that we can listen to the Word of God. Mother Teresa says it this way. She says, God cannot speak when there is noise and unpeace. God is the friend of silence. I struggle with that quote for a minute, that God is the friend of silence. What does that mean? And I, I think what she's getting at is what Elijah experienced, that that God is the friend of silence because when we are finally at rest, when we finally can have a little bit of silence in our lives, that's when we tend to hear God the most. That's when we tend to hear God the most. In the Psalms, uh, Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Now the psalmist got that part correctly, in, at least in the translation for us, be still, slow down, rest, rest, but that next phrase, know that I am God, that is not just sort of a, a knowledge and a, a, an awareness that God is God. In fact, that word in Hebrew is yadah, and it means to perceive, to fully understand, to know within the depths of your heart. Have you ever known something in the depths of your heart that was sure? It wasn't just a piece of information that you got from a book but it was something that you were 100% sure of. That's what the psalmist is saying, be still and know within the depths of your heart that I am God. If we want to know that, if we want to be able to hear from God, we've got to deal with the noise. For most of us, that's probably going to be like Elijah, slowing down, stopping, trying to ground ourselves and center ourselves, slow the pace. We are too busy sometimes to listen to God. And if we don't find ways to cut through the noise, that's all we're going to hear. And often, like I said before, that noise stirs us up into being very frantic people. God wants to get through to us. But after God gets through to us, he wants us to remain focused on him. Which leads us to the story that Laura read to us from Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus had gone away to pray. The disciples were out on the water. And this, this is the Sea of Galilee. This is a freshwater lake fed into by the Jordan River. In fact, the Jordan River then emerges again after the Sea of Galilee, and it goes down to the Dead Sea where it ends. Lowest place on earth that is open to air. The Sea of Galilee is a place where several of these disciples were fishermen before they began to follow Jesus. They know these waters When they're out on the waters, it's almost like some of us driving through the back roads of where we grew up. We know what to look for. We know the landmarks. The disciples know the waters, and they know that sometimes the winds will whip over the hills and the mountains around the Sea of Galilee and stir up the waters. And apparently there was one of those storms. And I bet that even though it was a little dicey out there, they were probably pretty calm because they had been in these waters before. Doesn't mean they were calm, but they sort of knew what to expect. But then they saw something they didn't expect, and that was Jesus walking across the water. And maybe he was close enough to see, but they just couldn't understand what they were seeing. Or maybe he was still just a little ways out because when they saw him, they thought it was a ghost. They, they, they were scared, they were terrified, more terrified of him walking on the water than the storm out there. And that's when Jesus speaks and he says, Take heart. Take heart be courageous. It is I. Don't be afraid. It is I. And once the disciples hear this, they seem to settle down. And Peter, who's always one of the people to to leap before he thinks, Peter says something before he may even think about it. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you. Have you ever said something and wish you could take those words back? (laughs) Maybe Peter was thinking about that as he stepped out of the boat. But that's Peter for you. He just he, he leaps without thinking sometimes. And he said this, if it's you, if it's you, command me to walk on the water. And Jesus has one word. He says, come. So Peter steps out of the boat. And as long as he's focused on Jesus, he's walking and he's, he's walking on the water. And like Laura said, it's unbelievable. And after a while of walking on the water, we don't know how long, the unbelievable part catches up to him and he starts to realize that he is walking on the water and there is nothing beneath him. They didn't invent life jackets back then. And the winds were there. The wind that he apparently had forgotten about as he took those first steps comes back. The noise of that wind comes back into his ears and he starts to hear the winds whipping around and he becomes afraid. And what happens when he loses focus and he gives in to the noise? He starts to become anxious. He starts to sink. And he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Peter was focused on Jesus out of the water. And while he was, when he remained focused, when his faith was still upon Jesus, he was walking. But as soon as he started giving in to the noise and the distractions, he began to sink. Now, that word in in Greek for faith is really important. Because Jesus uses it in a different way after he reaches down and brings Peter out of the water. So faith, you have to understand, is the word pistis in Greek. And what that means is more of trust and allegiance. It's not just acknowledging that God is real and knowing that God is out there somewhere. It's actually trusting God and being, uh, having our allegiance in God, trusting God over anything and everything else. And so when Jesus reaches down and brings Peter up out of the water and he says, you of little faith, we sort of sometimes look at Jesus saying, hey, you can lighten up a little bit, okay? He just made a mistake, right? But that's not really what Jesus is communicating. He's not saying, you of little faith, you didn't believe in me. What he's saying is, is that you didn't fully trust me. You took your eyes off of me. You lost Trust that I was there for you. Remember, Jesus is out there. He's still standing on the water. Peter's sinking. He didn't have to worry because he had someone right there to get him. And finally, he realizes that when he starts to sink and he says, Lord, save me. So when Jesus says, you have little faith, it means you didn't remain focused. You didn't remain trust. You didn't trust in me as much as you should. In fact, one translation for this little faith word in Greek is that you lost the ability to hear God's voice. When we become anxious, when we become afraid, we end up losing our ability to hear God's voice. So what does little faith or or dull faith look like? In our world, it may be when we are whipped up by the noise. When we are whipped up by the noise and the angst and the anger, we end up losing sight of how we're supposed to act. And we start thinking only about the ends and the ends justify the means. But that's not how Jesus acts, does he? He doesn't act with the means not mattering. He lives his life just like he lives the journey through the cross he lives it selfless he lives it focused on us he lives it all the way to the end out of love for us so when we get stirred up by the noise we get so frantic we want something decided now we want it over now we want everything to just be fixed. And if we allow ourselves to go from that state, what we're actually doing is allowing our fears and anxieties to rule so that we're reacting instead of responding in faith. You may remember the story of Chicken Little, right? Chicken Little said the sky is falling, the sky is falling. The sky was always falling for Chicken Little, Think about it in terms of how we often hear the world is ending. The world is coming apart. Well, I want to tell you that the sky cannot always be falling and the world cannot always be about to end with Jesus because God is the one who has his hands on the world. And if we give in to our anxieties, we're losing faith and we are sinking just like Peter was. I recently heard a, a pastor say to a bunch of Methodists and bishops, Methodist pastors and bishops, you can't fast-track the Holy Spirit. And what he meant by that was God's time is God's time. And God will speak to us when God speaks to us. And God will lead us when God leads us. And we can't force God to do that. We have to trust. We have to walk. We have to be God's people. I think this is kind of what Peter is learning at this time in the water. He's got to remain focused on Jesus and block out the noise and remain faithful and not panic, not panic. Because Jesus is the one who's walking on water. He's allowing Peter to do it. When he panics, he loses sight, loses focus. I think this also shows up, this sort of little faith, this dull faith, when our prayers are really desperate. And let me tell you something. God wants us to pray, all the time. If you read the Psalms, God has approved these passages, these scriptures where people are praying. Sometimes they're even angry at God and they're in our Bible. People are desperate. They're praying for God to help them. There is nothing wrong with us crying out to God in desperation. He wants us to have that kind of a relationship with Him. But think about this. The more desperate our prayers it may be a sign that we're losing our grounding, we're losing our hope, we're losing our faithfulness. It means that we're giving in to the noise. And so if you notice that your prayers are more of help me, help me, help me versus lead me, lead me, lead me, then it's possible that you need to take the steps to slow down and find that grounding again so that you can trust in God. God is going to be there to help you. I'm confident of that. But we also need to remember that God is there to lead us and help us respond and not just react. We all need to remember to allow ourselves some time and silence, stillness so that we can hear God's voice. But we also need to remember when the winds whip up and the noise gets louder, that's always a sign that we need to stay more focused in our faith. God will get us through to the other side. Whenever I'm uh, at the end of my rope or I'm losing sight on staying grounded in God and the hope that God offers, I am so thankful that we come back to the altar table for communion because communion reminds me, every month that we practice it, communion reminds me that at this table, we are grounded in God's love And that we don't have to do anything to earn God's love. Jesus took care of it. How much does Jesus love us? He gave himself for us. We can rest assured that Jesus is for us and not against us. If you've been busy, if you've been giving in to the noise, if you have felt like you're sinking, this is a time for you to remember that you're in the hands of a loving God. Keep focused in your faith. Don't allow the winds to breathe anxiety into your heart. Still your heart. Be centered. And you may hear a still small voice. Amen.